welcome to Basecamp for Men. I'm your host, Tony Rezac. This is a show that gives you insights and resources on how to live a more courageous life. We'll be looking at men, the current state of masculinity, and how to create a more inspiring narrative for all men. Welcome and let's get started. Without a guest lined up and leaving for vacation for a week, I found myself bringing one of my short format episodes to you, and I'm calling this one Our Mythic Imagination, and it is my hope that it sparks your curiosity or rekindles something in you. Whenever I step into this mythic landscape, I always feel supported. There's something much larger than me that is wanting to speak to you. If I can stay out of the way and let the images and the words flow, they will hopefully arrive in your ears and hearts in a coherent fashion. It is not always an easy balancing act as all sorts of ideas and images vie for the stage, such as the way of myth, messy, a bit chaotic, but ultimately staying true to the central message or motif. The mythic landscape that is our birthright is alive and well. Humanity is resource for these next chapters. There is so much going on in our emerging story. When I say our story, I am of course referring to we the people. I do not see division in us. I refuse to buy what our adversaries are selling. We seem to have a spiritual war at the very foundation of what we are dealing with, a battle for our souls if you want to state it in biblical fashion. The enemies of we the people whom I've spoken about on a number of occasions are counting that we don't wake up, that we continue our slumber, unaware of our situation and what is at stake. We all have work to do. The shadow is asking to be seen and acknowledged. It wants to be found, both in the world and in ourselves. There is nowhere to hide right now if I can state it in bold terms. And for me, these are the times to lean on our stories and particularly our myths, the ones that bring forth our courage and our mutual humanity. As I see it, we are either listening to the narrative of our adversaries as it blares out along the mainstream airwaves, or we lean on our tried and true myths that have been handed to us for this very reason. For mythic imagination is our secret weapon. It is how we know where we are and what we need to do. And it is the weapon our enemy fears the most. I will share with you today how I spark my own mythic imagination, and hopefully this will help awaken what is beginning to spark inside you. We are one tribe. There is no division. All separation is an illusion, or as the Gnostics say, there is just one of us here. Once you arrive at this universal truth and really know it in your bones, all confusion and fog will dissipate. You have now arrived at the fork in your hero's journey. The great awakening of humanity has been prophesied in every wisdom tradition. The quickening that brings an acceleration of the divine light and inner knowing into our tribe. We are at the part of the story where mythic motifs and themes, long forgotten characters, and unexpected movements in the storyline start to assert themselves. There seems to be magic afoot, as if each one of us right now is playing a crucial part in this unfolding story. Something is stirring in the tribe. Are you aware of it? Is there inner work you need to do to better prepare yourself for the coming days? I am inviting you to bring mythic imagination into your being, into your soul. It is how you will know what is unfolding. The chosen myth will whisper its secrets. It is not as hard as you might think. Sitting quietly as you contemplate your hero's journey or the grail or the fallen goddess myth, these myths will, with a fisherman's patient mentality, whisper where you are at and what you need to do or who you need to grow into to complete your divine mission. For myths are meta-stories. They create transcendent imagery and feelings in the initiate to guide the brave soul who awaits his or her instructions. On a personal note, I'm not completely sure how I arrived here. You might feel the same way. 
It seems like things were so predictable in the not-so-distant past. We were all watching sports, working and trying to save money, traveling when we were able to. But there was something looking for us, a murmur that was distinctly being heard by the most sensitive in our tribe at first, then by an increasing number of us. It seems the divine light was experiencing an acceleration and was moving like a great cosmic wave over we the people. To counter this, the shadow was trying to desperately stop the light from completing its destiny. It seems we are in an all-hands-on-deck moment for both sides. So let's riff a bit using some of the myths I have mentioned, and let's see if we can quickly connect a number of motifs and along the way start to spark or fan the flame of your divine imagination. I have recently done full episodes on both the Grail myth and the Fallen Goddess. For a deeper dive into those two great myths, go have a listen to Episode 82, The Myth of the Grail, and Episode 89, The Myth of the Fallen Goddess. I believe they contain some of the most urgent and relevant information that I can provide. And I'm going to grab a few nuggets from those myths and march on over to some modern-day myth-making to see how they interact with those. I'm particularly interested to see what they reveal for our benefit and what they produce in our collective imagination. Now, briefly, in the myth of the fallen goddess, Sophia is the youngest of the aeons and she has fallen. It is due to an error and her rebellious spirit. She dreamt of partnering with a chosen race, the Anthropos, and this would be in defiance of cosmic law, which says that she would partner with a male deity. She would seed in this race of people her divine spark, known as Epinoia, and her life force, known as Zoe. The chosen race would awaken, as if from a dream, to fulfill the prophecy and bring the young goddess back to her rightful place. Can you sense where we are at in this story? That I'm even able to speak these words to you and have them arrive with open heart and open spirit is evidence that we have arrived at the threshold. So if we take just this small piece and march on over to the great Gnostic tale, The Matrix, what do we find there? An adept named Morpheus who is fulfilling his destiny and his divine mission to awaken Neil, who represents humanity. Now this story is divided up into four groups. There are the adepts, such as Morpheus and his crew. There's the one who is about to awaken, Neo and everyone who follows. Third, there's the sleeping masses who keep the illusory hologram in place. And finally, there's the AI agents who draw life force from the Anthropos and try to exterminate all signs of divine light. This is the great game we find ourselves in. So what are you noticing? My first flash of intuition is that we all play every part of this great Gnostic tale. First is part of the slumbering masses where we're completely unaware of the divine spark or epinoia. But something starts to speak to us, first in a whisper and then as a persistent loud voice. Or as Morpheus says, it arrives like a splinter in the mind, this question, what is the matrix? Or another way of asking it is, where am I? Or what is this reality or life really about? We each take a turn awakening, lifting ourselves out of the slime pot of disinformation and conditioning and ignorance as to our true nature as the chosen partners of a divine goddess. But we have to reach for the light, just as Neo did. We can't just wait. The divine spark, the goddess, and the adept all respond to the divine sparks as they start to grow. How do you grow your divine spark using your life force to alert Sophia and Morpheus that the awakening is in full bloom in you? That, my friend, is the right question. And we all take a turn as Morpheus, the adept or the seer, the one who will awaken others to the truth, to the life of the divine spirit. You will all get your turn to help awaken Neo or humanity, just as I am having mine. The other thing I notice in the Matrix is that the sleeping Anthropos does not know that they are in prison or a hologram. And this is an accurate reflection of our situation. 
The veil needs to be pierced by something, but by what? What do we have that can lift the anthropos or feminine soul out of the gallows? I wonder who could possibly be the key to doing this. Hmm. The other thing that's interesting to me is that I don't think that Neo is necessarily the one as a redeemer the way you might speak of Christ. He's not special the way you would think of special from an egoic perspective. He is the emerging light of the Christ, of the divine spark arriving at its destiny, the awakened divine masculine principle, the solar principle, who sees the illusion and the hologram that has trapped the goddess and her beloved race. He is the divine light who, in a flash of illumination, realizes once and for all that there is just one of us here. He sees the manifested law of one and all its implication, just as you will when it's your turn to be the one. I like what the great Gnostic sage John Lamb Lash said. He says, we all take turns being the Maitreya, the world teacher. This is an expression of this very concept. You bring yourself out of the fog, recognizing the light and the faint trail. Help arrives in the form of an adept or Maitreya or Christ figure or world teacher to welcome you to your destiny. And angels, ascended masters, and all the souls, partnerships, and teachers over lifetimes all find alignment and expression through our emerging humanity. There is such a strong sense of destiny that presides over these myths, isn't there? And this is not accidental. In the myth of the grail, there's a couple of prophecies that are key parts to understanding the story. One of them is the powerful prophecy that a damsel who has not smiled in six years will burst out in joy and laughter at the sight of the greatest knight in the world. And in this myth, our hero is Parsifal, the one who will heal the ailing Fisher King and restore the kingdom. And she practically bursts into song at the sight of Parsifal, but not for the reasons you might think. He looks like a country bumpkin, and it strikes her funny bone. But nonetheless, the prophecy is fulfilled. Such is the magic of myth. In the same story, another example is a prophecy of the court jester who said long ago that the grail king would be healed by a holy, innocent fool who arrives at the court and asks a specific question. So the myth is telling us that it is the naive part of a man who will heal and cure his masculine wound. And it informs us that our redemption will come from a least likely place, the part of us that is humble. Remember that the origin of the word humble traces back to hummus, which means of the earth or feminine, unsophisticated. So what do we have here? Where are we at in the story? It seems clear that Parsifal, who represents humanity, has sort of bumbled around the way that Parsifal does. Can you relate to this as much as I can? Bumbling around, looking for clues, carrying a faint sense of magical possibility or divine destiny or immortality along the way? Parsifal thinks he can luck out and shirk his divine duty and his destiny. I know many men that take this approach in life. Indeed, for years I was one of them. Men who were just hoping the story will miraculously turn out in our favor. Somebody will heal the Fisher King and restore the kingdom. In other words, there's nothing you need to bring to the myth. Oh, how often I wish this were true. But it's not. So let's continue along the faint trail together a bit more. Parsifal strikes out on his first visit to the Grail King. In fact, he's not even clear why he's there. As we emphasized before, Parsifal and us men have inner work to do, work that reveals a divine spirit within and a rediscovery of the feminine soul. In the Grail myth, Sophia is speaking in whispers and in code. She is making you bring something into the story, your inquisitiveness, your humility, your heart, and your divine imagination. Sophia isn't going to just hand you the answers. That is not the way of a powerful goddess. Just like in The Sleeping Beauty, where a bed of thorns surrounds the princess, who is Sophia, of course, the way towards the princess will part for the prince, or Parsifal, 
only after he has discovered and honors the divine feminine within. You see, this is no ordinary love story. None of them are. These are myths that give us the roadmap for restoring the feminine soul to its rightful divine abode. This is the reason we're all here. So when Parsifal, who represents us, approaches the Grail Castle the second time, because of his inner work, he is then able to bring a humility and deep love and care for all that is good when he approaches the Grail King. He is then able to ask the question that heals the Fisher King and restores the kingdom, fulfilling the prophecy and his destiny. So, where are you at in this story? What do you need to do to prepare for the approach to the Grail King or the Sleeping Beauty? For the inner work to be done in either of these, indeed in all of our myths, is one and the same. As I was making this episode, I found myself thinking about Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. I've always found it interesting that in this story, the hobbits are small and childlike, and we know that epinoia, or divine imagination, is often strongest in children, and Tolkien understood this well. So we have a central hero in this myth, in essence, a child. Frodo shows humanity that if you stand for all that is good in the world and stand with your inner circle, you will have allies arrive in all sorts of places, and this is certainly true in our story. I find it interesting that both Frodo and Parsifal represent a part of us that is innocent and humble, simple and truthful. Frodo also shows that when it comes to our destiny, there are powerful forces at play. Indeed, our lives ultimately belong to the story of the world. So, it is not one of the great kings that saved Middle-earth. It is an innocent child, a halfling who wears his love of the earth and his heart on his sleeve. Just as in the Grail myth, it is not one of Arthur's glorious knights who heals the Fisher King and restores the kingdom. It is a country bumpkin who stumbles along following a destiny not even he is aware of. Are you following me? There is work to be done even in this late hour. You are not a spectator, but a vital participant in a living myth seeking perhaps its final chapters. I am in this mythic landscape with you. I recently saw a video of President John F. Kennedy as he was asking Americans, are you doing everything you can do to honor and protect the freedom and liberties afforded to you by this great nation? And my immediate response was, no, I am not. I say this with fear in one hand and courage in the other, not knowing what the next chapters of my hero's journey will be and watching what seems to have already been written for me. And finally, remember what this great awakening is really about. It is the awakening of the Anthropos who brings the divine light to Sophia, lifting the veil of illusion and returning the divine feminine to her rightful place. It is Neo realizing that there is no such thing as death as he sees the underpinnings of the illusion that has kept the feminine soul trapped and degraded. And it is Parsifal finally arriving at the Grail Castle a second time, this time with his fear and his courage walking hand in hand. Your part is already written for you. You do not need to write it. You only need to humbly locate your inner divine spark and then listen and follow. It will guide you along the mythic byways, assuring you along the way. And you will find teachers and old friends and fulfill the prophecies of our most cherished and trusted myths. You will have served the grail, as we say, and your speech will move others to do the same. What could possibly be a better life than that? That's our show for today. Thank you for listening. Men, good luck in all your endeavors and good luck on your hero's journey. This is Tony Rezac, and you're listening to Basecamp for Men.